Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. Greg, how can I help you? Uh, good afternoon, Jim. I'm sure you're familiar with the slip panel uh, brick walls that they put on certain developments. Uh, they're not fully brick. They're just a pre-made brick panels that they slide into these. Oh, yeah, yeah. They they built the columns and then slide them down in there. Right. Yeah. So I've got a lot of mortar, mortar coming off between the bricks on mine, and I'm wanting to know what's the best way to replace all that mortar in there with the, the wires exposed in between each of the layers of brick. You know, normally I would – how much depth do you have to put something in there? Uh, it's not much. I mean, it's just, you know, maybe a quarter of an inch, if that. Okay. Because normally I would say you can just mix up some mortar and put in there because that's basically what it had to begin with. Uh, if if it's not a good quarter of an inch, you know, if it's down to, you know, like uh, really much less, anything less than a quarter inch, then I would take a look at some of the synthetic caulkings they have f- for matching grout. The unfortunate part of that is you don't really have a lot of choices in color and it could stand out like a sore thumb. And that's the reason I like using real mortar because you can actually mix other things in it to change the color to match what you've got. Right. And it's just plain, uh, you know, tan looking mortar in there right now. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Really, any box store carries the the caulking type, and I don't normally recommend it. If you and, and this is for everybody listening, if you're doing your house, I'm typically not going to recommend that because you got the space on real brick to grind it back, get a half inch where you can, you know, pack it with mortar the way it needs to be. Minimum pack would be that quarter inch, and even at that, down the road, it's going to come out again. Okay, so just. Go with some more mortar and see if it'll stay. Yep. All right, sir. I appreciate your help. Good luck, Greg. But one thing where he was just talking about the title insurance, never, ever buy a piece of property without title insurance. I don't care how long you've known the person you're buying it from. Make sure you get a title policy. And the main reason for that, just because your friend didn't have any liens or anything on it, something can show up. 10, 15, 20 years later that has to be addressed. And without that title policy, it's in your hands to take care of. And I'm going to just give you a quick example. My my office down in Pasadena, we bought some land to expand our parking area. And we bought that land, gosh, well, 20 years ago now. Uh, we did get a title policy on it. It had all the title searches done before we bought it. Nothing showed up. We uh, were doing some changes on the property and had to have it resurveyed here in uh, this past year. And sure enough, some old liens from back in the 70s that were only $15 liens where the city had gone in and done some cleanup. And they filed those liens. They were missed when we did the original purchase. The title policy had to step in and take care of them. Because of all the penalties and everything, these these little liens that were $15 and $30 had amounted to six or $8,000 now. But that's what the title policy took care of. So never, ever buy a piece of property without getting the title policy.
Gary, how can I help you? Well, Jim, uh, we bought our house uh, about four years ago. It was built in 98. We live up near Aubrey, and so the, the soil is kind of sandy. And we're just in the last couple of months, we've had a horizontal crack appear between the front door and the corner, um, and, and it's just horizontal. There's no vertical cracks at all. Uh-huh. So um, I've never seen anything like that before. So I'm a little concerned about, you know, is it structural? Is it foundational? Is it just natural moving of the house? Or can you give me some guidance there? Oh, the thing's going to fall down. It's, you, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> nah, it, it, chances are real good uh, that it's really not going to be a structural problem. Usually okay. if it's structural movement, it's stair steps mm-hmm. down through the mortar lines. And uh-huh. uh, and you'll see it in the sheetrock inside, doors going out of alignment, things like that. I, my okay. guess is it's just from – how far up off the slab is this? Uh, about four uh, – about eight uh, – let's see, about six feet, and, it, and it's inside in the sheetrock. It's where I see it. Oh, okay. Okay, so you're seeing a straight line in the sheetrock. That, yeah. That's that's typically going to be nothing more than where those two sheets were joined together, where uh-huh. they taped and floated it. Somebody probably didn't do a great tape and float job. And what happens is, after a house is built, the wood will tend to shrink a little bit as the air conditioning uh-huh. system dries it out. And it's not unusual on a new house to get a couple of those cracks that have to be touched up. Okay. Nothing right, to worry great. about at this point. Glad to hear that. Okay. Thank you so much. Sleep well tonight, Gary. I will. Bye-bye. Bye. Brian, how can I help you? Yes, sir, I have a question. I am running a water line from a well uh, to my house. is approximately 160 feet. Okay. I mean, typically, I would run a one-inch PVC joints. Um, right. Is there a better solution? You know, I... I you can get away with using pecs and stuff like that, but I got to be honest. I would do the same as you. I would I would run the the one inch PVC, uh, mostly because it's going to be less expensive. It's easy to install, and quite frankly, if you, if somebody's ever digging around there or something happens to hit it, it's going to hold up better than than the other materials. Okay. Well, I have seen some of that Schedule 40 that comes in, you know, 200-foot rolls, but, yeah, you know, um, in less joints, I thought perhaps it might be better just to run a continuous roll, but anyway, that that was really my question, so. Yeah, if if you, you know, if, the problem with with those those, uh, rolls like that, the the PEX plumbing, Mm -hmm. it requires special tools for doing the ends and unless you've got those tools it becomes extremely expensive okay okay perfect i appreciate your help you bet brian take care Bye-bye. and you know and, and and that's just just the way it is tools make the job and the way those pecs in case somebody's ever wondered pecs is a flexible tube they used to be red and blue for hot and cold water now most everybody's gone to just kind of a semi-clear white but basically, they've got tools that you stick down into it. It spreads the pipe open. You put in the sleeve or the joint in there, and the tool 
lets back down and the pipe closes up on it to to crimp it tight uh, they work well love them and, and when we're doing repipe jobs on houses that's what we use i mean it, it works great but for a homeowner uh, they do make shark bites and things like that but you don't want to use those underground uh, and I do, I've not used shark bites on anything other than copper pipe, so I don't know how well they'll work. On copper, they work great, but I still wouldn't put it underground, only above ground. So that, that's my only hesitation. PVC, I know is going to hold up, and I know is going to do a great job and has the strength. So that's the reason I typically still recommend that for yard line type stuff. A friend of mine is telling me I need more dirt around the outside of my foundation. Our house is one story all brick and in some places there are 10 to 12 inches between the bottom of the brick and the top of the ground but there is still concrete at that point walking around the neighborhood it looks like most of the houses out here are the same way my friend is saying that it needs more dirt on the outside to balance out the pressure from the dirt on the inside of the foundation pushing out is this a problem and if so who would I need to call to look at it? Thank you for your advice, Wanda. Well, it's not a pressure issue. Please let me rest assure you this, that you do not have to worry about the, the soil pressure from the inside pushing out and causing a problem. Uh, the, on the inspection reports, when home inspectors come out, they are looking for about four to six inches of foundation showing. And typically, if there's any more than that showing, they say, oh, you need to bring in dirt. Uh, I live, my house is on a little bit of a hill. And so on the front, I've only got about three inches of foundation showing. In the back, I've got about 14 to 16. And my inspection report said I needed to bring dirt in. I didn't, because that was hooey. The reports are general. Practicality tells me I don't need that. So, yeah, don't don't worry about it, uh, especially if all the houses in the neighborhood are that way. Obviously, the builder did them that way. And if you had an issue where water was ponding or something like that, it gives you the room to be able to run your drainage better. But other than that, I wouldn't worry about it. Jeremy, this is Jim. How can I help you? Jim, I was just uh, listening to your segment a little bit ago about uh, problems at moisture you know, can bring if you have, you know, consistent moisture problems at the house. And I'm actually the uh, owner of a pest control company here in town. And one thing I wanted to add to that is termites that uh, yes. become a, a, a bad problem when you have a uh, consistent moisture issue. But even more specific is what we've seen in the last two uh, swarm seasons is, is that newer, it's been around 15, 20 years in this area, but uh, the Formosan termite, which is a uh, an invasive species of termite, is really we're, we're seeing so much more of that than we have in the past in certain parts of the uh, Houston area, mostly the southeast yep. area. But these Formosans cause damage like you wouldn't believe five times faster than the eastern subterranean. Oh, they're the aggressive little boogers. The problem with the moisture with them is that they um, most termites. Well, the native termites, when you, they have to have moisture, so they find their moisture typically from the ground, so they're constantly passing from the house to the ground, and a typical termite service will take care of them because they'll pass through where we treat. Those Formosans, if you've got an uh, unattended moisture issue, 
they'll uh, cut off the uh, their uh, contact with the ground, build a little carton, and so they don't pass through that treatment, and they'll just continue to eat on the house. Uh, and, and you may hire a company that doesn't know what they're doing, and they just do the regular exterior treatment. But um, if you've got that moisture problem, they'll, they'll build a carton around that moisture and just continue to eat. And we've, seen, we've come up behind other companies, you know, that have not known how to treat them, and they just really cause a lot of damage to the house. And so that's another issue with the moisture I was just wanting to yep. chime in with. Okay. Well, Jeremy, what's the name of your company? I'm a Preventive Pest Control. Okay. Well, sir, I appreciate you calling in, and you have a great afternoon. All right. Thanks a lot. Dennis, this is Jim. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. How about you? Uh, well, I was doing good until I got a call from my wife this morning. I'm out of town oh. on the job, and... I got a call that our AC system was not working this morning, uh-huh. and she called the company that has our contract. He came out, and he added a pound of refrigerant and said the system is 100%. That concerns me that he had to add a pound of refrigerant. Well, I tell you what. I got my AC guy here, Gary, and I'm going I'm to bring him on real quick and uh, Gary, you just heard that call. I did. Um, Dennis, you should never have to add Freon. Freon is forever. Now, that being being said, lots of air conditioners have small leaks. So, you know, I don't know whether to tell you to be concerned or not. I'm not there looking at it. But um, – I, I would say that I added, if I were this tech that came out, I would have told you, well, I've added Freon now, and it's as good as it's going to get until maybe it leaks out again. Well, that was going to be my question. Did the AC system start working again when he put one pound of Freon in it? Uh, that's what she said, but, you know, she, you know, she said, yeah, it started cooling. But he kept waffling back and forth between it's either the expansion valve or it's the thermostat, which, there again, causes concern for me. Neither one of those would have anything to do with Freon. No. Or with cooling. <laughs> I keep saying Freon, but. No, so. uh, Dennis, Dennis, the, uh, the, the expansion valve, I think, would probably be maybe a little more key factor here. A pound of Freon, probably you're never going to know it. Um, I don't know how big your system is. Some systems hold 15, 16, 18 pounds. Some hold seven. Um, so our, that our, being our said, system holds 10. Okay, well, you know, then it's 10% low. Um and, and you, prob- you probably would never know that. Now, just listening to what but he's telling. But they did because it quit cooling. Well, right. That's a part and, that and, and the blower And the blower quit blowing. What she said, the blower didn't, the fans or nothing came on until he put Freon in the system. Okay. Uh, so the system I, wasn't with, even cycling. With, with my magic ball, I'm not looking at it, I'm going <laughs> to say that, that Maybe you do have an expansion valve problem, and the evaporator coil froze up, and the fan was running, but it couldn't move air through your duct system because the coil was frozen, and it just wouldn't let the air go through. That, that's my guess. 
Okay. Now, when you said the – did you call them the warranty company or the service company? Do you have one of those aftermarket home warranties? Is that what you're talking about? No. Uh, this, okay. this, this is a new system that was put in three years ago, and we have a five-year warranty with this company. Yeah, that should not need it. Cooling, no, no. You need to call them back and ask for the service manager or the owner of the company and get a better explanation of what this well, guy just gave you. Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a hydraulics expert, and that's what I'm kind of looking at is if you got to add, there's something wrong with your system. you got to leak somewhere because refrigerant and hydraulics are the same thing. So yes, sir. It, if it's leaking out, there's a hole that shouldn't be there. Right. Okay. The other, I got one other question. If y'all have a, uh, a half a second. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at a split system uh, on a cabin for my parents. Um, what brand of split system would y'all be looking at on a? Um, an 18 by 42 building. Well, what brand? Are there, a carrier would be the brand that we would approach you with on on brand. Now, is that what you're asking as far as a name brand, or you are you asking the question on the type of unit? Um. Well, both, um, and I don't think I, I phrased it right. What I want is. Uh, a unit, and I've and then I, I dealt with them because I work in the oil field, and we have these split systems. But uh, are you talking I about want, a mini split? Yeah, you know where yeah, you, okay. where where uh, you have the outside unit, and then you have the two inside units, but they can be controlled separately. Yep, that's a mini split. Yeah. Okay. I ju- I just actually put a carrier mini split in my house uh, about four weeks ago. And man, I love it. And okay. For, for, yeah, and for everybody listening, yeah, I mean, I put it, I put two cassette unit type system in my house, but you could do it uh, an eight or even more than that. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely a great way to do a house because, like you said, each room then can be controlled to whatever makes that person now i got an interesting one because a lot of houses built in the 70s have this same problem including mine actually hi there i have had no luck finding an answer to a problem i'm having with the brick on my house my house is 42 years old and is about 70 percent brick the problem is both with the brick itself and its installation the brick is very soft and cannot even hold a drilled-in anchor. It simply crumbles away. I honestly think the only thing holding it all together is the mortar. I'm in the process of pulling out my fireplace because it's crumbling as well, even though I've had it completely retucked twice and had a new crown installed. The scariest issue... Let me say that again. The scariest issue is that if you walk up to one of the outside walls and push hard... The wall will actually move. I'm wondering if anchoring straps were even used. What are my options? Is there a way to stabilize the wall and go over it, or should I remove the brick and start over? The guy that worked on the chimney said he would cover all my brick with hardy plank, but I honestly don't know if the walls are stable enough to hold the weight. Help. Okay. 
first of all, yeah, you probably don't have brick ties, or if you do, not enough of them. Very common problem with homes from the 70s, they used a lot of uh, the clay Mexican brick then. Very soft, crumbles easily. Uh, but remember, the brick is just a veneer to hold out rainwater. It's not a structural component of your home. So you don't need to worry about, you know, as far as um, is it going to fall down around you? No. Chances are the, the brick's not going to fall off the house. Uh, it, because if, if it got really bad, you wouldn't have to push hard on the brick to make it shake. It really just gets wobbly. And even with the wind, it can start shaking. As far as coating it with hardy, I would not recommend that. Not at all. Uh, because the weight of the hardy is not going to be a problem at all. Hardy really doesn't weigh that much more than just buying wood and putting on your structure. Everybody always worries about the weight of it, but it, it's just not that unbelievably heavy. However, if you wanted to, to do the house up right with some hardy, and this is actually one of the things I've thought about with my house, just not ready to do it, take the brick off, use a stone on the first three, three and a half feet, and then put the hardy onto the wall studs the rest of the way up. Modernize the house tremendously. The stone will give you that new look. The hardy gives you the protection, and it looks great. Uh, you don't want to run the hardy all the way down because the house has a brick ledge on it, and that would look a little bit tacky. So that's the reason I would put some stone first. And you can use brick if you want. I'm just thinking about the Austin chalk type stone on on my house and then the hardy on up you can use the lap siding you could use the stucco look any one of them would look gorgeous on a house and then you can you can paint it the way you want it so that's what i would take a look at doing on it but you don't have to be in a rush to do it stella how are you today hello hello hi <laughs> thank you for taking my call my pleasure. I appreciate you calling. I listened to your show. Um, I'm not sure if it was last week, another week, uh, week before. And you were talking about insulating the garage door, but I missed it. Okay. I listened to it at the very uh, end. So we do have a room over our garage. It's a, a fairly large room, and um, it's very hot in that room. Yes. Yeah, so, because uh, the the ceiling. Between the uh, garage and then the floor of that room, they don't insulate that when they build houses. Correct. They really should, but they don't. So when your garage gets extremely hot, that, that hot, you know, hot air rises, it comes up through your floor. So the thing you can do for it is typically what lets the majority of the heat into the uh, garage is your garage door itself. Do you have a metal door? Metal door, yes. Yeah. Those things are, you know, they they just heat up to the point where you can't hardly touch them. Correct. If, if you get you some radiant barrier. A radiant barrier. My husband's yeah. writing this down. Okay. Go, go to one of the box stores, and they've got a bubble wrap type radiant barrier. Bubble type. Uh, uh-huh. It, you, know, uh-huh. You, you know what, like the bubble wrap for wrapping dishes and stuff? Correct. It looks almost like that, except it's silver on one side. Okay. You can take that, and if you look at your garage doors, you got the outside panel, then it turns and comes in, and it has a lip that turns down. Correct. You can take sheet metal screws. Okay. Put that 
cut the uh, radiant barrier to stretch across the door and use sheet metal screws to attach it to that little lip that turns down. Okay. And that will normally drop the temperature of that garage by usually at least 15 degrees. Perfect. Perfect. Especially, okay. if, and, and even more if the sun is sh- shining directly on it all the time. It is because it's a south side. Yep. Okay. Can I ask you uh, real quickly one more question? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, so we replaced um, toilets. We have four toilets, and we replaced all of them. Uh, two upstairs were replaced a few years back. No issues, nothing. Then we replaced um, another one uh, two years ago downstairs. Um, and ever since we replaced that one, um, we every now and then, not all the time, but every now and then we get a smell. Uh-huh. Okay, so I keep flush. It's that sewage smell, you know. Yep. It's um, it's a, a little a tiny guest bathroom. So I flush the water all the time. I keep the lid closed. It goes away three, four days, a week sometimes, and the smell comes back for a day or so. Then it goes away. We just replaced another bathroom downstairs mm-hmm. in the master uh, toilet. I'm sorry, another toilet. Same problem. I'm suspecting the wax ring under the toilet isn't getting set properly. Okay, we replaced the wax um, ring. Yeah, but if it's if if somebody didn't get it seated right, okay, it can end up with just and it, it doesn't take much. It gets like a an eighth of an inch gap okay. on the top side, and the way that happens is when when the toilet toilet is being set down, uh-huh. if it gets rocked just a little bit instead of being put straight down. Okay. It crushes the wax ring on one side, leaving that little gap. And so when sewer gas does back up into the pipe, it gives Correct. it an escape into the room. Okay, so just um, take it out, make sure that it's in the proper place and sit it back down? No, you'll have to replace the wax ring. Replace the wax ring. Yeah, once, gotcha. once a toilet's been set with a wax ring, it has to be replaced. Okay. If you want to do it yourself... They actually have some new foam-type rings available now. Okay. And those are not near as sensitive. I mean, they got no sensitivity to them at all. You set that foam ring on there, you can rock that toilet all you want, setting it into place, and it's still going to seal. It's called, it's called the foam ring? It, it's a foam ring, yeah. F-O-A-M. Okay. I got it. Foam ring. Okay. Um, is, it, is, it, is it a ring on its own, or is it something that you actually... A spray into you know to make. Oh it no, it's it, it's it's a, a ring. It'll it'll be right there okay. with the wax rings. Gotcha. Uh, so it it'll it'll look you know similar box and everything. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. You answered my questions, and I'll continue listening to you. Stella, I appreciate that. You have a great <laughs> afternoon. You too. You too. Bye bye. Bye, Jerry. This is Jim. How can I help you? Uh, hi, Jim. Yeah, Hello. I was wanting I was wanting to build. Uh, a storage building, more like a workshop, about 35 by 35 feet on my property. And I don't know, what is it better to go with wood studs, conventional construction, or should I go with a steel building? Well, I tell you, I want to build one on my place here as well. And because of building codes, I'm not allowed to put a steel building. But if I had my choice, I actually would put up a steel building instead of the wood studs. And the main reason for it is the height inside is is so much more open and cleaner to work with in a steel building than it is when you have when you build uh, regular stick construction. What about cost? 
for a 35 by 35 like you're talking about, you're going to find the cost is going to be substantially less on a steel building than it would be wood construction because those spans that you're talking about, steel will do it with no problem at all. Wood will not. You'll end up building trusses and more and and having supports down through the middle of your building that you won't have to have with steel. Okay. All right, that now, answers my question. Go one, ahead. One side note. Uh, in building a steel building, I always recommend to people, they make a radiant barrier that's bubble. It looks like bubble wrap, but it's it's got the, the silver on it for radiant barrier. You can get it at the box stores, but um, you can get it at other places as well. Put that on your building before you put the sheet metal on, and it will literally drop the temperature inside that metal building a good 15 to 20 degrees. Okay, so that goes outside, and then the steel goes on top of it? Correct. And, and the reason for doing it that way, you know, you, you got very little uh, ribs, basically, on a metal building. Yeah. By putting it on the outside and then putting the sheet metal over it, the sheet metal holds it in place. I see. Okay. And, I, and I, our, I got, I've done it on several buildings, and I, I, it just amazes me, the temperature difference. I see. Are there, are there any um, places or in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that would be uh, good for me to use to, to uh, put up a building like that? Uh, you know, the, I've used two different companies, Mueller, and actually Mueller put up the metal building for my office here in Dallas. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other one I've used is Whirlwind. Whirlwind, okay. Yeah. And both right. of them, both of them are, are buildings I've owned for, um, the shortest time span one is uh, 10 years. The other one is uh, pushing 20 now. Both of them have done great. Okay, great. Jim, thanks. You've been very helpful. I really appreciate your show. You bet, Jerry. Take, take care and have a great afternoon. Thank you. You too. Bye. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.